Residential Lighting Specialist to Arc Residential Welcome to Residential Tech Talks. I'm Jeremy Glowacki, Executive Editor of Residential Tech Today. In this episode, I'm joined by two members of the Access Network's executive team, Agai Feiner and Bryce Nordstrand. Access Networks, for those of you who aren't familiar, is a company founded 17 years ago to focus exclusively on helping custom integrators create the highest quality network solutions for their homeowner clients. Agai, who founded the company and has served as CEO for, for 17 years, recently passed the baton to Bryce who has worked along Hagai for alongside Hagai for the past eight years. The executive transition is the result of a year's worth of preparation following a meeting between my two guests two years ago that I really want to touch on. Hagai remains president of the company and is already broadening his horizons into some cool new adventures. And Bryce hasn't wasted any time making his mark in his new role. Gentlemen, happy new year and thanks for joining me. Happy new year. Happy new year, Jim. Thanks. Hagai, I wanted to start with you. Um, you've been on my list of people that I wanted to have on the podcast for a while, but I guess it took a big um, executive change here to finally make it happen. Um, when I heard the story of this, um, how this transition kind of kicked off with a performance review two years ago, um, <laughs> I really thought that was a great place to start. It, can you um, recall the question that you asked Bryce and what he said in response to you during that performance review? Sure, it's it's actually a vivid memory for me <laughs> where <laughs> we're sitting in this interview and I'm talking to Bryce about the year and what he's done and where he wants to go. And um, I asked him, so so what do you wanna do next? Where do you see yourself in the next few years? What, is this, what does Access look like? And how do you fit into the organization? And he just gave me that, that stare back and lifted one eyebrow and said, well, what do you want to do? And so answering the question with a question, I was kind of perplexed because what does what I have to, what I want to do have to do with what he wants to do? And uh, of course my reaction was like, what do you mean? And I said, well, I want to be CEO. <laughs> and so I laughed in my seat. Uh, at first I thought maybe he's not serious, but then I realized he is serious. Okay. And then I really started thinking about what it is that I want to do. And I thought that it would be, first of all, if you don't ask, you don't get, I think that's really mm. the, the bottom line here. A lot of us go about life, not thinking maybe, you know, we shouldn't ask for something cause it's never going to happen or, you know, doubting our ability to get something done or go where we want to go. And Bryce wasn't afraid to do that. And uh, I'm, I'm very proud of him for, a expressing how he felt, what he wanted to do, uh, and also creating uh, essentially that position, if you will, for himself as someone who's the runner-up. Where let's say the rest of my executive team never really expressed that interest and maybe mm. didn't want to take on that that role because there's a lot that's involved and a lot of weight on on your shoulders. And so, you know, and in that moment, I really thought about what well, what does this future look like? for me. And I thought, you know what, that would be a good thing to aspire to. And so what I decided to do is a agree that there will be a transition, not necessarily pinning a point in time on when that's going to happen, really wanting to see how the business evolved so that we would have the platform to create the transition. 
and uh, Bryce has proved to be, you know, the best man for the job. And um, in a lot of ways, it was very natural because I used to operate in a very different way. And I think the business has evolved from a mom and pop uh, sole proprietor into having an executive team, into having an executive team that has transparency and has the ability to have a say and in decision-making. Uh, a lot of that happened uh, after we bought the Easton building. That was my sole decision. Um, in hindsight, it was probably a mistake to just go and see a building on the other side of the country and decide that I'm going to buy it 10 minutes after I toured it. <laughs> um, and I came back and I said, hey, we have a new building. And everybody was like, well, what do you mean? <laughs> we have a new building. <laughs> But a forklift is not going to fit in there. So, well, but it's historic and it's in downtown Easton. Well, how much money we're going to need to spend to renovate this thing? Of course, the budget blew up three times what it was supposed oh, to be. Yeah. Um, and that, it was a pivotal moment for us because it challenged my ability to continue and lead in the style that I did, mm. uh, which was just a guy makes the decisions. He's the owner. He makes the decisions versus running those ideas by other people that maybe would help me yield a better result and also make people feel like they're part of the process instead of having people feel like something was forced on them. Right. Learn from that event in 2017. And it actually made the process with Bryce a lot easier because that mindset of having transparency, providing transparency has been pervasive with me ever since. And so, bring Bryce in talking to him about, you know, how we grow the business, what I do personally, where I'm going, what I'm, what I want to buy, what I want to do, uh, has been very easy, uh, since that point. And so it allowed for this process to be a lot, a lot easier on top of the fact that he's just the right man for the job. Well, Bryce, I want to throw it to you. Uh, that was a super bold thing to say in a performance review two years ago. Um, but, obviously you had something in your mind about how you could, you know, take that role and, um, and, and run with it. So what, what made you so confident back then with that, with that statement? You know, I don't, I don't think it was, I guess it was confident to say it, but I, I think what I looked at is, and what I normally do when I'm in most of these situations is I look at it and I say, okay, well, I have this particular issue or this particular thing going on. How do I get resolution to that? How do I get to the next level? And and what I saw was what I've seen in myself from owning businesses over the years with Hagai, which was not boredom, but just the, the point where you get in when you're owning a business where you say to yourself, I don't know if I want to do this every day anymore. Hmm. And I saw that based on what, what he was doing, you know, buying buildings and that kind of thing. <laughs> like he just, it was pretty obvious that he had other interests and those were starting to overpower how much attention he would provide access networks. Okay. And that's okay. That's fine. I, but I recognize that in the moment. And I, I thought to myself, I'm having a good review right now. So why not just throw this thing out there and see what, see what happens. <laughs> so, so that's what I did. And there, and as Haggai mentioned, there was no timeline. There was no point in time where we both like left that conversation. I mean, that con I don't think we really talked about it for almost another year after that. It was kind of like, it just, we had that conversation. It had been put out there and you know, Hagai may have talked about it with, with him, you know, internally or with his wife or whatever the case may be, but we didn't really, but I think what happened at that point, um, 
from my point of view is that Hagai started to release a little bit more to me hmm. um, with not necessarily like making the decisions, the big decisions for the company, which are always ultimately his, but really going forward with like where we're going to take the business. Like what's the next iteration of Access Networks look like? What is, and, and I'm not making those decisions solely either. It's a team effort. It's executive team. It's as the guy stated, everybody has a voice in that room. Um, but, you know, but really kind of starting to figure out how do we get to the next level? How do we make sure there's no ceiling? How do we get past that ceiling if there is a ceiling and, and, move, and move forward with, with our plan? And it's not that Haggai is not capable of doing that. He absolutely is. It's that he has other passions and interests. And luckily, I mean, luckily for him, I think he has somebody that he could pass that baton to and, and take on those, those things for himself as well. Yeah, and um, Haggai, you, um, you must have noticed something in Bryce back maybe before that conversation or around that time. Uh, I read in your note that he got the Atlas Award at a company retreat or a meeting um, that you had. Um, and, and that's a great name for the award because he, he said he was taking a lot on his shoulders, I guess, like Atlas, the, the whole, the whole burden of the company of, of being able to create a successful business process that then supports our clients and mm. encourages growth in return allows us to hire more people. Mm. It's a, the entire business cycle was really on his shoulders. The, the technical prowess that we have was on the engineering side of it, but to go and sell it to somebody that's really in Bryce's wheelhouse. And so I thought, you know, I knew the conversations we were having. So let's say when we were wrapping up construction in the beginning of 2018, uh, we had the, the most awkward grand opening that we could ever have because it was a grand opening of an office that I wanted, not <laughs> anyone else. And the burden for paying for this office was not on me. It was really on Bryce. Mm. And it was, you know, I took him and threw them through him into, into this trench and said, all right, now climb out. And, and he did, and we did ultimately. Mm. So I, I feel like in everything that he's done historically, he's always taken ownership in, in those tasks. And he never complained. There were obviously arguments over why did you do that? <laughs> Um, which now I won't do again. Uh, but again, we, we all grow, right? I'm yeah. not a perfect being. And the way I've done it yesterday is not the way I'm going to do it tomorrow. <clears throat> Excuse me. And, um, and I've learned from that process. And I think it's part of how we got here, right? So those challenging moments in an or organically grown business where decisions are made, they have long-term impact uh, luckily you know that was you could say it was luck uh, it was a good gamble to open that office in easton in that building paid off in dividends and, mm. and we have such an incredible team there that really made this possible um but i've seen bryce operate in hardship and i knew that i could you know in good times and bad times i could rely on him um, with my eyes shut and know that he will do the right thing. Even if I s didn't say anything about something, the action Bryce would take is probably the action that I would take. So we're now, very, very synced on that level. Now, Bryce, do, do you think in retrospect that uh, the, the, the 
it seems like this is a major turning point that's building. Uh, it keeps coming up. Um, you worked through it. You made it um, a good decision in the end with a lot of hard work, it sounds like, and, and restructuring and things to pay for it. But did you, um, you see the idea was good, but it was just maybe not that building or maybe the timing was weird or. So, so uh, you know, there was lots of conflict when the announcement was made that that's what we were doing. <laughs> but, but you know what, there was a point um, and there was a few cocktails involved, I think, but there was a point when we were in Easton and it was actually during the, uh, the, the grand opening celebration. And I, the guy and I were talking and, and I pulled him aside and I said, I get it. Okay. And when, and I think that was kind of the turning point for me where I kind of like, okay, I, I got why he, I get why he did this. I get why we went through the conflict we went through and I get the vision. And sometimes somebody else's vision, it takes a while to comprehend that. It takes a while to embrace that. And it wasn't, I mean, it was a while that this had been going on. And, um, but at that point in time, and even probably before I said it to him, I got it. I was like, okay, I get it. I mean, I, there's lots of things we could have done differently. Sure. Absolutely. There's lots of decisions we could have made different hindsight's 2020, no matter what, you know, where you're at in life. So did he make the wrong decision? I don't think so. Did he make the decision that was, that was his to make? He absolutely did. Did he make a decision that caused conflicts? Absolutely. <laughs> Are we all better for it? Absolutely. We all came out of, out of that, all of that better for it. So, and that's all you can hope for. Yeah. So, so Haggai, let's talk about some of these outside interests that, uh, that Bryce was observing that you are into and maybe would, would want to explore more. Um, obviously, you've been a vital member of, of the CEDIA board over the years and had a lot of CEDIA volunteerism, but I, I saw you on a, a panel the other day, a virtual panel, um, Josh AI uh, organized panel that you were talking about doing some, some just explore the country kind of stuff. Like, is that what kind of what you haven't been able to do because you've been running the con company for so long or? Yeah, stuff. Well, I, I guess you could say that I would have been able to do that and I never took the time. Mm -hmm. I always flew somewhere on some exotic vacation or went to see my family in Israel. <clears throat> but, you know, the, the pandemic really changed my mindset as far as what do I want to do, especially knowing that all of this ha is happening on, on the access front. Where am I going to go and what am I going to do? that I feel like I haven't done until now. And what I haven't done is just explore the United States. And I've done this to some degree by flying places. So I went to Montana, actually courtesy of Bryce, <clears throat> that uh, got us a, a, a really cool opportunity there to stay in an incredible house and do some incredible things. But I wanted to do more of that. And I know that the United States is absolutely stunning. And so what I also wanted to do is is take the take the path of not just go to a hotel, stay somewhere and do the touristy thing, but really go and stay somewhere on a mountain, off-roading, create some new things for myself that I haven't done before. <clears throat> and so that's part of the intent uh, this year is to really go out there and explore. I bought a truck, you know, I could buy any other vehicle, but I decided to buy a, a four by four and uh, it's big, it's, <laughs> It's comfortable and I'm going to be out there really trying to make up for the opportunities that I didn't take in years past because I was so focused on, you know, buying a building in East End and <laughs> flying there every week to make sure everything goes the way it should. But again, I think you, on one end, you make an investment 
in, in a business, in a team, in infrastructure. And if you are going in the right direction with the business, then ultimately you'll be able to enjoy the, the results and, and the fruits of that labor. And so it's not just for myself, you know, I look for, the, for all of our team members to enjoy the same. So we actually, as time has gone by and, and our business has evolved, we put our off time at a premium, which means we expect you to disconnect when you're disconnecting. And I'm the biggest violator, I think, of that rule because I never disconnect. I fly to Israel and I'm still you know, on my cell phone and emailing and people need stuff and accounting wants to verify wire transfers and I'll do that. Uh, but the time is coming where I'm going to really hand that off and be off the grid. So, yeah, so I get to be on all the time. <laughs> yeah, 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 there you go. I was going to ask now, you brought up COVID and, and obviously all businesses have changed the way they work. And does that make this transition easier or harder because of the virtual aspects of everything right now and not being maybe in an office together with people? Right. So what do you think about that? Any way to gauge whether this would have been harder, easier if you were in normal times? Well, I mean, we're, we're a pretty spread out company to begin with. Yeah. Um, of the nature of the business and the nature of our team um, i mean we have network engineers that are not wouldn't have been in either one of our offices okay they work virtually luckily we're a network company so it's easily scalable for us um but uh, the you know the reality is that yeah there is some of that that i'm probably missing you know the in-person conversations the water cooler talk that kind of thing uh, we are heavily invested in in using Slack, which I know a lot of companies use Slack. Um, so that's kind of where the water cooler talk happens, you know, the, yep. the off the cuff conversations. Um, but I'm going to make it a point and and have started that process of initiating conversations with every person in the company to really, you know, not not have it be a business conversation. Just you know, tell me what makes you tick. Tell me what makes you. What's your hobby? What's your? Because I didn't I didn't interview a lot of the people in the company. They weren't my responsibility. So. Mm. I need to make that connection. And, and in order to do that, I have to work at that. I can't just assume that that's going to happen, especially the way we work now, which is virtual. I've got to dedicate the time for that. And that's my plan. Okay. Well, I want to continue our conversation. Um, but first, we need to take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode of Residential Tech Talks is brought to you by Ring, home security systems and smart home automation. Get protection at every corner with their intelligent security cameras, alarm systems, and video doorbells. Receive notifications when motion is detected or check on your home anytime with Live View in the Ring app. Help keep your neighborhood safer with the Neighbors app to share information and discuss safety concerns in this hyper-local social networking platform. Ring's mission is simple. Make neighborhoods safer. Discover all the smart home security products by Ring. Go to ring.com. Welcome back. I'm talking with Hagai Feiner and Bryce Nordstrom from Access Networks. Um, what is the biggest technical challenge right now for your company in terms of what you're uh, working on helping integrators with in terms of network, the network? And I know network security is as big of a topic as ever. Um, a major attack recently that um, may not have affected directly any of our homeowner um, clients out there, but it's it's showing that there's still a lot of vulnerabilities out there. Are you guys really focused on security stuff? What, what, what is it that kind of drives what you're developing solutions for with your network gear? If you want to take the, the lead on that one, Bryce, since yeah, uh, you're sure. in the hot seat now. Yeah, sure. I'll I want to make sure that, we're, <laughs> that who you were directing that at. 
Um, yeah, so security is obviously one of the, the major, um, I wouldn't want to call it a conundrum, but it's, it's one of the things that we are, are working on daily to, to perfect. Um, what we've done historically as a company is taking, is taking um, you know, enterprise grade network solutions and applied them to the residential market. Now that's not an easy task, especially beyond, beyond just the technical side of it, meaning you know, we have very, very talented people that create our specifications and, and follow a process and do the configurations and deploy the systems and support the systems. We have an incredible team of people that do that. But the, one of the biggest challenges in that is actually taking that information and, and tailoring it and crafting it in a way so that an integrator can go have that conversation with a homeowner. Why are these things important? And, th and we've, we've been working on that for years. It's been, I don't think it's perfect, but I think we've done a really good job of, of, of that messaging, right? We've, we've taken it, nothing's ever perfect. We can always do better. The cybersecurity side of this is like a whole nother version of that. And it's vastly wider, meaning it's not, you know, when you're talking about product and specification and Wi-Fi performance and network performance, it's a, it's a very tight niche. Right. But when you start talking about cybersecurity and, and InfoSec as a whole, meaning the concept of, of security where people are involved, where people are the outside element and forces that can create a problem for a network. When you start talking about those things, it's a much bigger concept to try and how do we craft this? How do we, we take this information and pre present it to an integration company and then have them be able to present that to the homeowner? That's the challenge. And right. when we get to a point where we're comfortable that that has been accomplished, that will be kind of the, the next um, kind of telltale sign of, of our growth cycle as a company. Like it'll kind of be like the next catapult for us. We're close. We're really close to being there. We're, we're you know, that's going to happen, crafting that and having that message complete where we feel comfortable that it's there. That's going to happen this year. So we are really close to it, but we've been working on it for years. It's not a simple thing. It's very difficult to do. How much has this company evolved a guy since you founded it? What, what was the original vision of what you thought this company would be and where it is today with these new challenges that you couldn't have probably imagined back then? So that's a good question, Jeremy. I think coming into the industry, I saw the battle that the integrator had on a job site connecting everything. Back then in 2002, the entire Crestron home system was based on RS-232 serial communications and everything went over those lines, those connecting cables. And I thought that Ethernet and Wi-Fi are going to win the connectivity game. That was really the, the bet. And that there was no discipline within the AV world doing the IT work mm. to allow for those things to connect in that way. There's only one product connecting to, um, to the network, which was a Crestron processor in that house. And from that point, it took until you know 2003, maybe 2010, to start re seeing real success in building those networks and creating kind of a fast moving machine that keeps shooting out pre-configured networks into the channel. And, you know, the iPhone, I'm sure, uh, as everybody remembers in 07, gave us a big push where, you know, then the iPad, when devices started becoming ubiquitous, that, that 
need Wi-Fi, and that's the only mean that they're going to use to communicate uh, with with the outside world. That drove our business, and at the same time, meeting Ruckus in 2007, and having Ruckus really focus on um, transmitting video over Wi-Fi. That that was their challenge. I was really amazed with what they could do in 07 and they still have that advantage today mm. and going from a one-man show into a two and three person operation was very different you know when we had a team member today it's a very different process and it's also a very different impact where when we when when i was just a one-man show every additional person was just like immense worlds of differences for me now those people make mean a world of difference to the team that they join and ultimately have a, a deeper impact to the business. But we, I think we've gone through maybe four or five iterations of what Access Networks is mm. until we've gotten to the one today that, that we have today. And what I am especially proud of is how we've grown as a team and how we treat our people, which I think really you know, what, what creates a healthy culture is to me is how you treat your people and the environment you put them in. And so even before the pandemic, we had a very generous work from home policy. So most people had a PC at home that they could just jump on and have all their tools. And so when the pandemic showed up, we were very well prepared because we were just generous on, on the other end before that, allowing people to work from wherever they want. Uh, so that's the the environment side of it we can't control, but we have beautiful offices that are now waiting mm. for their team members to come back. Uh, and on the other end is creating that healthy culture is how you treat your people. And we are, I think we're really at, at the top of, of where that could be, um, where we have a program called the village program, where essentially the premise is that it takes a village not only to raise a child, it takes a village for you to live your best life is what we believe in. And so the company is your village. And if you need something, if something happens, you can make a request and we'll go up to executive discussion, but we've done all kinds of help, assistance, time off. You know, you need to take a couple months to go deal with a family situation, go do it. It doesn't count towards your, you know, sick time, vacation time, because you're not on vacation. You're doing stuff that, that you have to do. Um, you name it, we've we've contemplated it, we've assisted, and really that's what is the what is success? To me, this is success. It's far beyond dollars and cents. And so to be in this place today and have watched, you know, we've struggled so much, even even a decade ago. We didn't take off uh, Christmas Eve, we didn't take that day off. We stayed in the office to work because we felt like we had to make payroll. Mm. To have transitioned and transcended. To this place where we're, we have redundancy within a team, we're able to be generous financially, be generous with time, um, is warms my heart. So, well, I, I always like to go way back and talk about where people came from and how they got into this industry. Um, talked about access networks, but what what about before access networks for you, a guy? What what got what brought you to custom integration? And I mean, all the way back to. You're you're from Israel, right? Originally, grew up in Israel. Yeah, born and raised. And you, and and as as a citizen of Israel, you you had some military service as as is required, correct? 
Uh, and, and you said that that uh, had a big impact on how you went into becoming uh, a business owner, I believe. Yeah, and initially an integrator, if you will, of network okay. uh, within a home. But you know, I I think my my work ethic and the the desire to build systems that are complete and functional and reliable really came from the Air Force, where I actually got kicked out of middle school. And the only middle school that will take me was the Israeli Air Force Middle School, oh. which then also turned into my high school's experience. And that's how I funneled into the Israeli Air Force, uh, became a, an F-16 mechanic and crew chief, ultimately. Uh, that was a great experience. And by the time I was 22 and landed here, I had been in a military environment for seven years in uniform. Hmm. Right. And so coming here, really coming to the United States, following my dad's footsteps, uh, was really just looking for an opportunity. Uh, I didn't have the education I needed, and I found everything that I could hope for here in the United States. And so um, my view is that this is the land of opportunity and you know, I'm living proof that, that you can do whatever it is you wanna do. And I was lucky enough to get an internship with a company in Thousand Oaks here where I learned um, computers and networking, IT. And the one thing that was always the most reliable, even back in 2001 and 2000, then when I was there, was the network. Printer, printers would break, computers would crash, the network always functioned. And so I thought it would be awesome to build a, a business around networking. And so eventually rolling into this first home that was assigned to me by a commercial client here in the Beverly Hills Triangle, I really felt like I have arrived to where I'm supposed to be. This is where I'm supposed to be. And meeting Signals Audio Video, which by the way, is still a client of ours. Mm -hmm. How many tech businesses could say their first client's still a client? Um, was really, it was revolutionary. I'll never forget it. So that's, that's you know, taking that work ethic yeah. of working on airplanes, feeling like, you need to set this up. It needs to work. Otherwise, with an aircraft, someone's going to die right. if you screw up. Uh, and not that anyone would die if we configured a network wrong, but it felt like a mission critical item that I've worked on for, in my Air Force career and a mission critical item that we're working on in the home. Very good. And Bryce, um, I had no idea that you still uh, had a family owned integration company. Your wife is running it now, correct? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what was that? Um, what was the transition away from that company into Access Networks? Like, what point were you? Was it that I need a new challenge? I want to see what this uh, manufacturing side is all about. Well, again, I think it was um, part of what I recognized in Hagai. I had recognized in myself, you know, based on that conversation we were talking about earlier. I had recognized in myself at that point in time um, that I was kind of tired of of doing the same old, same old. And I, I had several, at the time I had several good employees. We weren't a very, we're, we were never a big company. We were always, mm -hmm. I think at the most, we were seven people, usually ran, ran around three or four. Um, and then as of now, we don't have any employees because we have we have one client um, that, that my wife manages that whole relationship. Oh, okay. So it's a very different business model. Uh, not, not, I don't want to get into it here because it's a long conversation, okay. but but uh, um, but we still are an integrator. We're still control for, um, you know, dealer and all those things. But I think at that point in time, 2012, I was exposed to Access Networks earlier than that. So one of 
one of the largest projects or the largest project I ever did had an access networks network in it. And up until about a year ago, that network was still running mm. um, untouched. So, it, I, and I had never been there for a service call for the network. So looking at my experience with access networks and, and the conversations I had with, had with Hagai and other people at the company, Brett, our CTO, um, who's still with the company, that I kind of realized, hey, this is, this is pretty cool stuff. And I think I could make an impact there. And I went and joined um, Hagai and team at Cedia and um, as the integrator on integrator in the booth is what we call it. And we've okay. done it multiple times over the years. We've had an integrator in the booth. And it's basically somebody who's you know a good partner that 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 lives in that lives and breathes integration, but also understands the value of access networks and can talk to other integration integrator and owners on that level, right? And so that at that point when I went and did that first year, I think I did it kind of as a just to see what it was like to go to Cedia and have somebody else pay for you to go. So that was <laughs> kind of cool. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, you know when we were there, I re I realized that there's a this is where it's going. I mean, I kind of had the same a lot later than what Hagai is talking about, but I, I knew that this is where the industry was going and that, that networking was was so essential to what we were doing as integration companies and it wasn't going to change and it may never change. That might be always the case. And so um, later that, uh, about a, a little bit of time passed and then we had a conversation about me going to work for them. And then at the same point in time, my wife was graduating from college with a degree in IT. Mm. And um, she was still heavily involved in managing her own family's business and, and an aging uh, relative and things like that. So we needed a flexibility for her, but we also wanted to have additional income potential. So, um, so I say, hey, you know, why don't you take on just, you know, take on managing the IT, the IT side and, the, and she was a, she, her career before that was bookkeeping and an office admin and things like that. So she knew how to run a contracting business. Hmm. That's where she came from. And so, and now she had this background in IT because she went to school for it. So it was like a natural kind of like, hey, why don't you do this? And I'll go do that and we'll see how it works out. And if it doesn't work out, I'll come back and we'll just keep going doing our thing. Uh, fortunately, it worked out um, and it's allowed her to have a ton of flexibility because of the way that business functions with our family. So we have, you know, a, an older son and we have a younger daughter that's still at home with us, older son that's at college. And, um, and so we... It's given my family a lot of flexibility, um, and it also still keeps me grounded because I have conversations with her, not daily anymore. It's it's probably maybe once a week, probably more monthly, where she says, "I'm having this issue with this particular client. How do we address this?" Mm -hmm. And my background in IT now, from working with Access Networks, has given me the ability to answer because most of the questions that she gets are are IT in nature. It's the the company's IT department handcuffing what the construction side of the business is trying to do hmm. because they have security. And so I said, well, this is the way we need to work through that. We need to you know, have this conversation. So it, it still keeps me grounded, which is, which is pretty interesting. Plus I get all the emails from our, from our suppliers. So I see what they're doing. So I can use that for, <laughs> for the, uh, the tactical side. Right. <laughs> right. Right. So, well, yeah. The, the, the one thing that we haven't touched upon is the, the new product um, aspect of um, what's going on here. And I, I, I did tease that you had some, uh, had a, a success, uh, immediate success, I guess, in your new role, Bryce. Um, can you talk about any new products or technology stuff that you're working on that's going to yeah. be based? 
Yeah, so we've got, I mean, we're always doing the, the, the uh, access point evolution, right? Uh, we re recently released a bunch of Wi-Fi 6 access points, still the only um, brand in the, in the channel that has that many line models of access point in Wi-Fi 6 variations. Um, but the other part of this is, um, is what we're doing on the management side of the access points, meaning being able to control those. Uh, everybody that, that is a current client is familiar with the Unleashed product category, which is running the controller locally on the hardware on the network. Um, and then we've historically used uh, hardware-based wireless controllers that have existed inside the home and, and is a cent central point of contact. Well, the big change for us is, is a new service that we're providing, which is called ARC. ARC is built, on, uh, built out on a Ruckus infrastructure product that we are familiar with and that is available in the broader IT market, but we're custom tailoring it to the residential market, which is what we've done for years and years and years. Mm -hmm. And it's really going to give the integrator a much quicker way to scale their deployment um, by using templated systems, by having uh, granular control of the Wi-Fi on the sites from a single pane of glass, single log login. That's all going to be accessible through our portal, so they can go to our portal and then log directly into it. Um, and then they'll be able to manage those sites. We can co-manage sites, meaning if they do a, one of our custom core systems, we have access to it, they have access to it. We can actually see any of the other sites they want us to look at. So in a troubleshooting situation, right now, if it's a hardware-based controller on site, you know, they if if we don't have remote access, they have to screen share and do all these kind of things. With this new service, hey, we're looking at what you're looking at, and we're looking at it both in real time. Incredibly powerful. And it's not, it's not a, a you know, a 10,000 foot view. It's the granular view of what Ruckus provides. It's getting into the the nitty-gritty of of solving an issue and we're both looking at the same thing at the same time and whether the integrator wants us to do that for them in the custom site or they want us to be a part of their process on the you know the more of the product purchase you know where they're buying the access points deploying themselves and then calling us for support um, whichever way they want to do it we're we're ready and and that's going to be launching in the next week week and a half um, and so it's we're we're there um, getting it ready to go out the door it's called arc arcc we like to throw the extra c in there at the bemoans of other people on the staff <laughs> why, <laughs> why the differentiation um but it is it is a uh it is the the concept is it will be overarching eventually meaning it's we're we're looking past access points we're looking at switches we're looking at do we start to build out that infrastructure where it controls a router in the cloud for the site where there's mm -hmm. less hardware on the site so there's an evolution to what this will be much greater than just wi-fi control Okay, um, but it's really where the industry is going. It's where the IT industry is going. It's where Ruckus as a whole sees the future is in this cloud architecture, uh, and being able to scale unlimited. I mean, it it literally gives us the ability to to have unlimited scale when it comes to site deployments, and streamline the process incredibly. Well, I'm sure that's going to be very well received by by your dealers and. Um, Hagai, I'll ask one one last question for you. Um, are we going to still see you around at uh, once CD is back in person? Are you still going to be a visible presence for the company? Or are you going to kind of fade to the background and just be the owner and you know answer bother Bryce every now and then about something that uh, you think think of out on one of your hikes? <laughs> well, at least have well at least have cardboard cutouts of them. Oh yeah, right. And, well, well <laughs> hopefully the hopefully the tequila will be at the booth as well, even if he's not there to serve it. So. No, my plan is to still be there. Um, I'm while I'm stepping aside and allowing Bryce to to run the business and make decisions and 
essentially take on effectively what was my burden. Um, I'm, I'm very passionate about our industry and I love Cedia, I love the show, love seeing everybody. So you should count on me being there. Plus, as much as I thought that, you know, this transition would create less involvement, I have been proven wrong and my days are very busy, maybe more so than before. And so that's gonna stay. And I think also just for the sake of our team, whatever my team needs for me, I will do. Um, and, you know, I think that needs to keep going because when you, when I, if I was to just disappear, I don't think it'd be the same. And not to, to take all the credit for what Access Networks is, certainly not. I am, I am not the only person here. We're, we're a community, but I'm part of this community. So I'm not just going to be like, see ya, I'm gone. He's in charge and talk to Bryce. Not at all. Uh, we have checks and balances and I, I love what I do. I love being in this channel. I have a lot of passion for it. I think that's been the driver for all of our success is the amount of passion we have for what we do and what happens when what we do, we do well and what it enables the integrator to do on the job site, which in turn is really limitless at this point because of the infrastructure we can deploy. So that's not going away. Uh, I, like, I love staying in touch and also, you know, building my own home. I see the challenges, you know, I have a, a color beam system that occupies a huge eight foot closet because right now it's this behemoth of a system. Mm. And hopefully eventually that's gonna, you know, shrink to like a little box but there's a lot going on and, and, you know, there's still a lot to do. So I'm sticking around. It's good to hear. A guy finer, Bryce Nordstrom, thank you so much for taking the time to chat today. I hope you both have a healthy and prosperous 2021. Thank you, Jeremy. Thanks for having us. Also, thanks to everybody for joining us. Be sure to comment, share, or subscribe to the podcast. And you can check out all the latest residential tech news at restechtoday.com. Until next time, please stay safe. Stay inspired and let us know if you have a great story to tell. Residential lighting specialist to our residential tech. Smart home or smart house.